dear ones, and welcome to Subtle Medicine Radio, brought to you by InnerSpark. This is the resource for all things holistic healing, natural living, conscious relating, epic life-changing, and spirituality, all steeped in earth-based wisdom. We're your hosts, Devin. And I'm Mike. On today's show, episode 15, we're discussing the mother wound and feminine shame, what it is, how it impacts us all, and practices for how to begin to heal. So let's dive into this topic. All right. I'm so excited. This is really a topic that is incredibly dear to my heart and my work in the world. It's also a topic that is so freaking broad. It has so many different facets and a single show really can't even begin to capture it. So with that said, know that this is just an overview and a brief introduction to this topic. The mother wound typically refers to a challenging and painful experience with our earth mother or our caretaker or mother figure in our life. So that's obviously not always our biological mother. It could have been an adopted mother or a grandmother or an aunt. So it would be whoever the main earthly physical mother figure from our upbringing was. And I say earthly because it's this physical human earth mother, not the mother, the divine mother. And I'll get into more of that here in a bit. What about just the the like social archetype of a mother, just like the idea that is shown on TV, for example, that that's stereotype or standard. It's not like an individual person, but just a perception of this is what mothers are. Um, sometimes that can be like kind of lampoonish, you know, <laughs> like uh, Howard's mom in Big Bang Theory. <laughs> right that kind of like nagging screeching totally thing or yeah there's a lot of perceptions out there so i think it doesn't have to necessarily be an individual and that seems like an important point for me because i basically grew up without a dad but what i saw on tv about what a dad is supposed to be or what a man is supposed to be greatly influenced me that's a good point and a little bit off of where I'm going today but I really like that you mentioned that because those different socially constructed archetypes definitely I mean they're unhealthy for all of us right and I mean there's really just no other way to put it yeah and I think that they put a lot of extra pressure and shame on mothers and on even children because there's that that notion like that's your mother. You can't be angry with her or upset with her or, or these things. Um, so that that is interesting to note and those, those different media constructs. Um, but for the sake of today, I'm more focusing on like who we interacted with okay. versus the ideal that we may have been fed. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. However, those different layers and nuances certainly feed into that because we may have an idea in our head of what this person is supposed to be like based on what we've been programmed. So and it so affects then, our interaction. Right. Yeah. Totally. Gotcha. So it's all just kind of this like giant mishmash and you're for those of you who don't know, now we're gonna go down a rabbit hole real quick. Once upon a previous life of Devon's, not like, you know, past life, but in this particular incarnation, it was Devon a long time ago, my original background was in um, public relations and media and marketing and communications. And so I love looking at, I, I, I don't consume media the way the average person does. I'm always reading between the lines and, and seeing the insidious impacts of the the messaging and the programming. So I love where you're headed and we can certainly dive into that. That would be so much fun. Yeah. And you're like kind of getting ahead. So I'm just trying to to just lay a foundation of 
the mother wound and feminine shame. And starting with that physical earthly mother figure that we interacted with. Um, and like you said, you didn't grow up with a father in your life. And so a lot of us maybe didn't have a mother and we may have had some type of mother figure. Like I said, it could have been an aunt or a grandmother or a teacher even. So this earthly mother figure. And then having a difficult experience with this person has deeply insidious impacts that often remain with us in our subtle realms throughout our lives. Namely, it's a breeding ground for the main cause of all human suffering, which is shame. So we have this, this challenging and painful experience from our upbringing that lays the breeding ground for shame, okay? Mother wound, shame, you with me, sweet. Every single dis-ease we will ever experience, whether in our bodies our lives, our health, our relationships, our work in the world, it all stems from some version of the there's something wrong with me story, which is the result of shame. And this shame results from the programs, beliefs, and stories we've been fed about the feminine energies within and around us, from our families, from the media. So all of these different ways that these, these programs are being delivered to us. And as you've heard me say many times, and yes, you'll hear me say it so many more times. The subtle creates the gross, meaning that whatever is imprinted on us in our intangible, unseen realms, so our emotional, mental, and spiritual or energetic bodies, is creating and recreating our physical experience in life. So whatever we are carrying in those unseen realms, whatever wounds, whatever stories, whatever programs, whatever beliefs, is creating and recreating every single thing about your physical experience. Our bodies, health, lives, relationships are all mirrors of our internal workings and are reflecting the shame we are carrying on some level. When we begin to heal and unravel outdated bullshit and untruths, identify the particular shame stories that we carry, and begin the process of transmuting them, it not only sets us free, but it frees our lineage, which is rife with a gaping mother wound and shame as well. And it's not just our lineage, you know, like our family of origin, the the people <laughs> with whom we share DNA, it's, it's in our collective. And when we start to unravel that and do some of this inner growth and using whatever is amiss in our physical lives as kind of entry points to dive deeper, we not only free ourselves, but begin to, to free and influence the collective and heal the lineage. And it's really beautiful. Mother wounds occur out of the rampant separation between ourselves and the divine feminine or the spiral principle, as I like to call it. I kind of coined that term. This excommunication of the goddess and of anything cyclical, impermanent, or spirally about our existence is truly the root of present-day feminine shame and the state of humanity and the planet at large. Women experience shame, guilt, and fear of their own just beingness. Because everything about the, the feminine, the feminine principle, and women being in a woman's body is cyclical and impermanent and spirally. And so there is just kind of this inherent shame, guilt, and fear of, of our own beingness. And then that is passed on to their offspring and then the cycle continues. So at its core, the mother wound is a symptom of unused or misused and repressed power that manifests as a variety of coping mechanisms that all intend to numb out of this perceived pain and illusion of being a woman and relating with other women and understanding feminine principles within and around us regardless of gender identification or anatomy. 
And so with that said, I really want to make it clear that I'm not being heteronormative and I'm not intending to leave anyone out or not be sensitive to various gender identities whatsoever. We all have feminine and masculine dynamics within us, period, regardless of anatomy, regardless of personal identification. And I refer to these as spiral and triangle principles, respectively, spiral being the feminine and triangle being the masculine. And for the purposes of today, I am primarily focusing on females, although feminine shame inflicts all of us, all of us. As healing feminine shame in all of us is the mission of my work in the world. You'll be hearing plenty more on this soon. So we have some flavor of the there's something wrong with me story. This takes root in a young girl as she internalizes her mother's pain. This yields shame that her earth mother has passed down in some subtle ways as well as gross cellular ways because we carry this in our DNA. Any trauma is stored in our DNA. The original experiencer of the trauma in your lineage, their DNA, their physiology shifted dra dramatically as a result of that experience. So then that is stored it's in you, and then obviously the, the subtle would be those, those um, unprocessed emotions. It would be those character traits that were developed out of, as a result of this trauma. And so this is just all stored, and, and you're carrying it. You're carrying it in your, in your body and in your field. It's, it's here. It's in all of us. And addiction, caretaking, self-sabotage, eating disorders, feeling jealous or competitive or mistrusting of other females, tolerating and settling for disrespectful treatment, constantly feeling unworthy, saying sorry a lot, having a lack of confidence, fearing success because there's this, this belief that it's not fair for you to shine. Um, these are all just some of the ways that the mother wound can rear its ugly head. And I imagine as I read that list, many of you were like, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. And I know I have too, totally. It's, I mean, this, this stuff is deep. It's here. And the ways in which our earth mothers really hurt us Okay, so however they, they really hurt us or got under our skin or triggered us or, you know, whatever the thing is or was that really just is painful about our experience with them are the very coping mechanisms and armors they are using to continue some illusion of safety and control because it is shameful and unsafe to be a woman and the feminine principle is shameful and wrong. So these are ways that they are they are perpetuating this story and also ways that they truly believe are 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 keeping them safe and are their coping mechanisms and armors. And they're the very same ones you may also be incorporating on a subtle level. So, yes, <laughs> we can definitely turn into our mothers. That old thing, you know, the older I get, I turn into my mother. Um, yeah, it it happens because we continue this this cycle until somebody decides to kind of wake up and and do some healing and realize like hey this is all just kind of a little fucked up and i don't think that this is how we are meant to live i i don't believe that this is truly authentically me and it's truly not authentically you earth mother figure whoever you may be grandma mom aunt teacher and when we resist these ways and don't look at them they intensify and our own potential and deep happiness and health continue to suffer and continue to be stifled and we will never actualize them and know them and the more we resist it the more that shame just snowballs inside of us and so it it just gets more painful and more challenging and when it comes to kind of beginning to to sever this energetic umbilical cord there may also be some guilt 
in changing the status quo and breaking away from the paradigm of our lineage because of a sense of loyalty or because of that cultural conditioning we were talking about earlier. There's like a sense of duty and like we must repay for the perceived sacrifices our earth mothers made for us, um, which is also part of that like social programming where it's like, oh, it's painful and you have to sacrifice everything to be a mother and how dare you be an ingrate or um, just all, all of these things that like aren't authentically us. It's not two people, two women just like speaking, right? Like soul to soul. There's this this illusion of I need to be in this role as this person, as a mom. I need to be in this role, this person, as a daughter. And it's like a barrier to to authentic intimacy and to authentic communication. And so that can be a huge barrier to overcome when it does come time, when we feel it's time to begin to unwind some of these things and to begin to heal. We have that strong energetic umbilical cord that is just steadily supplying us with a big old dose of shame. You bring up an interesting point about loyalty that I wanted to that I wanted to comment on because it seems crazy to me that out of a sense of loyalty or debt we repay that debt and honor that loyalty not by living healthier than the person before us but by repeating their cycle like we feel a loyalty to the dysfunction you know I, mm. I mean I've felt similar things myself I I've, I've basically I've been there not exactly the same or I don't know you know with the the mother wound um and, or father wound or however this ancestral kind of dysfunction comes along and I'm not sure if it would be a little different from a masculine perspective if more pridefulness might be involved but it feels like I can't let my family see me be healthy because they think they might think that I've disowned them or something like or maybe I'm afraid of hurting their pride so instead I will proudly pick up the torch of whatever their habits are and maybe smoke the same brand of cigarettes or microwave the same shitty tv dinners like complacency in disease is the family tradition. I like that complacency in disease as the new family tradition and you bring up so many good points and I don't want to pretend like I know what it's like to be a male because in this incarnation I have identified as a woman and anatomically have been female and I, I do believe in my experience through my research through my clients I, I have clients that are male and female um I, I work with everybody and i f i i know to be true that this feminine shame inflicts all of us and so i would imagine the mother wound does as well and oh there's so much about what you said we could just make a whole different whole nother <laughs> show um so your but your your main question right <laughs> my poor brain is just like going a million miles an hour and my mouth can't keep up she's like speak that, that, that. okay so your main question was, why do we feel this loyalty to living in a way that we know is unhealthy or dysfunctional? Well, yeah, yeah, basically, like, if, if we're going to pay somebody back, why don't we pay them back by being our best possible selves? Why do we feel like continuing imitating them is the greatest form of flattery? You know, why do we think that that applies here? Because it's safe and familiar yeah. in a nutshell, period. It's safe, it's familiar, it's what we've known. It is almost guaranteed by, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, that we will continue to be accepted and not outcast from the tribe, which is like horrifying concept, especially to our really deep, ancient uh, survival parts of our brain, our reptilian brain, where it's, 
like, oh, seek safety, seek survival, stay in the tribe, don't get outcast. So even if the status quo is completely not serving us, for many, it does at first feel safer to stay in the same dirty pond than to go explore new ones and go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> and in my own case, yes, that was a TLC reference for right. anybody wondering. In my own case, there was a huge sense of shame. Shame has truly been so part of my story, so, so, so deeply ingrained in me. And so there, there was a sense of shame and guilt and like my mother's pain and therefore the pain I endured in my childhood as a result of her drinking and drug use were my fault. I internalized it. I felt shameful. I felt like I wanted to save her and I couldn't. I wondered what I was doing wrong to make her choose these things. And th these are little kids thoughts, right? Because as an adult, we intellectualize and understand, oh, I can't control other people. They're going to do what they want to. And as a, as a child and those more sensitive, loving parts of us, those more spirally principled parts of us don't quite get that. So it still lives in our emotional body, even if our mental bodies and our intellect have reasoned it out later on in life. So I've had my own battles with alcohol and disordered eating, as I've mentioned previously, and have placed tireless and ruthless expectations on myself as a result of this. I have also felt the guilt and shame around energetically uncoupling from my earth mother and finding my own voice, my own needs, my own sovereignty. And sometimes I do still feel guilt that I couldn't save her and that she succumbed to a lifetime of unprocessed emotions like grief and trauma and rage and shame around her own femininity and her own feminine principles and then ultimately succumbed to alcohol and drug use last September. That was uh, almost a year ago that she passed away um, as we're recording this and you had mentioned guilt in changing the status quo like you know like I, I mentioned re repaying your mother by remaining loyal to the dysfunction like being healthy and happy wasn't part of the paradigm at the time. Now that you've been working with this, do you feel like being happy and healthy is a new, more real way of showing loyalty? Absolutely. Finding my own voice and my own unique expression of what happy and healthy mean to me, because those aren't, you know, universally applicable principles. There's no one shade of happy and healthy. And so, yes, Absolutely. I know and feel in my cells and my bones and my energies, which are all the same ancient and timeless materials that have housed the spirits of my lineage and those before me, which is such a beautiful thought. I love that. But I, I know it within all of me that this is the way. This is, in fact, what they wanted and were so trapped in their own delusions and perceived obstacles and trauma and stories that they felt they couldn't allow themselves to have it. So loyalty is continuing the work they actually wanted and allowing the lineage to rise and allowing the collective to rise. Loyalty is not continuing the same dysfunction. You know, they, they didn't want that for us and they really didn't want it for themselves. They don't want us to be stuck in the same pain, the same struggles, the same addictions, the same sicknesses, and to wear the same armors. They want us to rise and embody our divinity and know real beauty. So how do we even begin to, to heal this? Like, where do we start? What the hell do we do? What just feels so big and overwhelming because it's huge and it's so deeply ingrained into our patriarchal culture. We must first recognize the feminine shame that we're carrying. That's the first step. And I know when I begin this process with many of my clients, they're like, I don't have any shame around the feminine or anything like that. Like, that, 
it doesn't make sense. And often we're shameful about the shame and that prevents us from fully accepting it and surrendering to what is so for us in this moment now. And without that acknowledgement and surrender, we can't consciously and clearly move forward. We should then spend time with our own flavor of shame. How does our particular flavor of shame show up in our lives? Where does it live in our bodies? Where does it come from for us as individuals? How do you really feel about the feminine or spiral principle? How do you really feel about women, your body, your emotions, anything that's unpredictable and ever-changing? Get very curious about your own shame and befriend it. Get very raw and real and vulnerable. I have this journal entry from a few years ago that I reread sometimes and I'm just like, how did that come out of me? Just these ways that I really felt about myself and the feminine and other women and relating with other women and it's 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 unreal when we can unmask that and really feel into what has been programmed into us and what we are carrying around with us because if we feel a certain way about ourselves it's pretty safe to say we can extrapolate that out to how we feel about others as well and vice versa so get really curious and really honest about this shame it's truly the root of all dis-ease and dysfunction and then from there we can move on to seeing our earth mothers as humans just like us they're just humans they are not a representation of the divine mother or all women they are or were just humans just like us with wounds and shame and traumas and stories and unprocessed emotions okay so stop the lineage of blame and guilt and unprocessed trauma and choose to embody something different no more pointing fingers no more wallowing in the role of the victim because that simply just perpetuates disempowerment and smallness so set yourself free set her free and see her as the human woman just like you doing the best she could have all right in releasing them of the burden of representing the divine mother we begin to see them through compassionate eyes and free them and ourselves and so for many of us that earth mother is our first representation of kind of the, the divine mother and the feminine principle and we place unrealistic expectations on them which inevitably lead to disappointment because like I said they are just humans and it doesn't help like we talked about at the beginning the the social programming and the media programming of like being this super perfect mom woman thing you know almost an object robot that no human could aspire to so set them free set yourselves free and that's so much easier said than done right because the little us has a lot to say a lot of anger a lot of hurt a lot of confusion practice kindness and compassion and love towards yourself okay develop a self-care menu that nourishes your physical emotional mental and spiritual bodies so something for each category have a few things in each of those physical emotional mental and spiritual categories that really nourish each of those bodies and and tend to those things when you are solid and healthy in yourself all of this becomes a lot more easeful and feels a lot more possible and embodiment practices to feel into the shame pain and confusion that you possess it really allows yourself to grieve and to access your inner child because she's the one who's holding on to everything like i said and so embodiment practices allow you to feel into what you're holding to access this inner child and then to allow him or her to vent and rage and cry and scream and feel can you maybe say a few words about what an embodiment practice is i can say more than a few words of course of course <laughs> it's me right so 
Yeah, we've talked a great length about embodiment on this show and actually dedicated all of episode 13 to this concept. So go check that out if you haven't. So in this lifetime, I'm wearing a body. I'm wearing a human body on planet Earth. I'm inhabiting a sacred, ancient, and wise meat suit that has all the wisdom and answers I literally could ever need. We seriously lack for nothing. We've just been programmed and conditioned to numb out of our bodies and rely solely on our intellect, which is just another example of this suppression of the spiral principle, right? The mental aspect of us is more triangle, more masculine, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's there's nothing wrong with, with any of these things. They, they just are what they are. They're different parts of us, different tools, different resources that we possess. And because we have denied spiral principles so much, that includes the body. And so we've, we've kind of numbed out and celebrate hyperintellectualism. And the practice of embodiment and intentional conscious movement and connection with the physical body is our anchor back to our innate knowing. We are able to access what is living inside us that begs for our attention so we can feel and process and move the stagnant energy. We can't do that with our brains. We can understand things and intellectualize them away, but that doesn't actually heal or move anything. That just kind of gives us a way to put a little bow on it and, and a package and, and feel really good because we understand it. But that doesn't actually move all of it. The nervous system, your body, that's what really stores your, your life experiences. That's what stores emotions. That's what stores all of these things. And that's what dictates your health or lack thereof. So we need to move the energy, move the emotions, get into the body. I can't say it enough. These trapped emotions and the energy they suck from our well-being is the root of all disease and suffering and physical ailments. So by engaging and processing with these emotions and with this, this physical body memory, we increase our health on all levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Does that kind of answer your question? Because I could just keep going. Right, yeah. And it also reminds me of something that we talked about in a much earlier episode. I think it might have been within the first three episodes or so when we were talking about the four bodies and the like mental and physical feedback loop of being stressed out and doing things like tensing my shoulders or clenching my jaw. And if I interact with the shoulder or the jaw, then I will be able to consciously deal with the stress in a healthier way way. So that using embodiment practices seems to me like a more specific, more detailed, more subtle way of dealing with more subtle and maybe deeper subconscious things. Like clenching my jaw because I'm stressed is pretty gross and obvious, but if you learn to speak this language of the physical body more richly, then what deeper secrets can you unlock? That's my way of understanding it as just a purely just observational skeptic. Totally. That's a really beautiful way of succinctly putting it. Thanks. Absolutely. Another thing that you can do, this kind of just came to me, is write her a letter. Let it all out and then burn it. So you're not actually giving it to her. You are accessing this stagnant emotional energy and letting it all out and writing it down in a letter. And this can seem like a really trivial practice 
I'm kind of like, okay, what's that going to do for me? And it's really quite powerful. And I highly encourage you to not underestimate its power. And, you know, it's, it's not really like, like a sexy practice, you know, like embodiment. Let me get into my emotions that are living in my, in my tissues. Like, that's kind of sexy, right? But, like, an entry point into that could be the letter writing to access some of this, this stagnant stuff. Because we, we minimize our pain and our shame and our experiences. And by recalling them and recalling how we feel, we give them a voice and a witness, which is really what they need. And by minimizing and, and suppressing, that's that resistance piece that actually causes them to amplify, which increases the shame and, you know, it's just the snowball. I feel like that old, what's that little kids in the house, the Jack built. It's just like this ever-growing snowballing thing. So that can be a powerful practice. And at the end of the day, unraveling shame and unraveling the mother wound and addressing kind of the overarching component of all of this, which is really feminine shame or spiral principle shame, is an ongoing process that requires consistency and a willingness to be with and reclaim all the pieces of yourself. And as you rise into a place of sovereignty, you are carrying the torch for those who came before you and those who will come after you. It's, it's in service to the collective at large really it's it's in service to healing the planet i mean all of these 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 things are connected and so for us to kind of just just feel complacent or stuck or or in our victim or however we may feel those are beautiful and valid feelings because we feel them so honor them and recognize them and don't get stuck there what do you need what visions do you hold for yourself what could be possible for you without this shame without this this old story with without this fear and and shame around your spiral principles your feminine your femininity. So it is that serious and I highly recommend the journey. It's not for the faint of heart <laughs> and just begin to look at the ways that shame is showing up in your life. They're going to be very subtle and very small yet they're like really dictating the show on a subtle level. So that's my invitation to you until next week. Babe, do you have anything else to add before we close? No, I think that's great. And I do want to give a shout out to the blog. Uh, the Embodiment Practice episode 13 also has a great blog article associated with it on our website. Innerspark.life backslash blog. Yeah. Is it like blog dash two or something weird or is it just blog? Just go to innerspark.life. Right. And click on the blog. And click on the blog button. Right. It's there. It's there. You can't miss it. It's a really beautiful blog page and we actually just updated it. So yep. go check it out. Hit us up, tell us what you think, holla. All right, so that's all the time we have for today, yeah? Oh yeah, we're well over time, yeah. And I'm starting to get loopy, that's how you know when I start to get a little, little crazy. It's like yeah. she, she's done, she needs to walk away. Drop the mic, walk away. If you loved the show and want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to it. Please leave us a review and share the love and wisdom with a friend and visit www.innerspark.life to learn more. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions, so please deepen the conversation with us on social media at InnersparkLife on Instagram and Facebook. And catch us next time when we'll discuss how shame is impacting your life and health. So much love to you until then.